And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. Luke Smith, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's Friday already because, mm. you know, it means it's the end of the week, right? Oh, look, it's with, yeah, I, it, you blink and I, I don't know where the week goes. I Literally, I sit here every week with you and go, how do we get here? How and, did we get, it's like Groundhog Day in a way, well, isn't it? It's, it's tearing like, by. I, anyone that said that life goes faster as you get older. Oh, yeah, absolutely I'm, true. I'm totally believing it now because oh, yeah. every other day feels like we're sitting here having oh, a look, chat. Which look, is, just yesterday I was in my 40s. <laughs> Two weeks ago, I was 18. <laughs> Tell me about it. I'm still 15 in my head. Oh, mate, I'm 12. Don't worry about that. But I don't think that changes. No, no, of course not. Yeah. Uh, no, boys don't grow up. They just grow fat. Okay, here Correct. we go. Something Correct. like that. Here we go. We're going to talk about today's topic, and that is investment properties. Now, look, investment properties have had a bit of a bad rap lately, but are they still the way to go? Oh, look... Um we're going to have a bit of a property month. So, you know, today we're going to talk about investment properties and some concepts, and then we're going to have some visitors this month in relation to commercial, residential, um, strata, someone from a strata company, and also conveyancing and what they do just to try and sort of demystify a couple of roles that different parts of the property world are exposed to. But look, I think everything has its place. I think the biggest thing with investment properties is I see a lot of people go out and buy these things for the wrong reason. And that could be an accountant saying, oh, you need a tax deduction. The percentage of people that are actually on the top marginal rate as PAYG employees of 180 or more is is such a small slice of the pizza that really people should be thinking about why am I buying this thing? And I think buying something for a tax deduction as the first cab out of the rank isn't really the right way to come at it. But you need to know why you're going to buy it. Have you got surplus income and you're at a stage of your life where you may have paid your house off, there's all sorts of money floating around and they go, oh, well, I'll buy an investment property so I can pay that off. Great. Because really, I'm pro paying these things down and using principal and interest or interest only loans with offset accounts to be able to manage your cash flow because you can get some tax benefits. That's undeniable. Yeah. But to do something just for a tax benefit, I don't think is the primary reason you should do anything. I've heard that plenty of times. Uh, Yes, there might be a tax benefit to your investment property, but tax should never be your primary reason for doing it. Um, I guess there are two legitimate reasons why you'd consider it. One is you might be looking for a steady income stream, and the other is you're looking for some sort of growth. Correct. And, of course, hopefully, in the best of all worlds, you'd be ideally looking at both, wouldn't you? That's right, and I think that's where you need to sort of sit down and consider where you buy, what you buy, because the old adages of, oh, everything doubles every 10 years, blah, blah, blah. Well, I have plenty of people come in and tell me that they own stuff that hasn't, and it won't, and I think that sort of old-school mentality was designed or created at a different tax bracket. Because if you think back to the 90s, if you were earning more than $60,000, you were a big legger. Oh, yeah. And you were claiming 50% of your deductions. Now you've got to be over 180000 before you start getting 50% of those benefits. So times have changed significantly, but we see an intergenerational transfer of knowledge where mum and dad or grandma and grandpa are still thinking about how it was in their day oh, yeah. without potentially considering the changes in legislation that impact the viability of this type of investment. Well, you know how I said, like, it was only a couple of days since I was in my 40s. I can still clearly remember when you could easily buy a house in southeast Queensland for about $40,000. That's yeah. just the other day. Yeah, well, and there's a, there's a great example of you've got a, a beautiful illustration there of the generational change in value that mm. 
someone in their sort of 60s and 70s has seen that you may not see again at the same rate of change. So you want to be buying these things for the right reasons. You want to be thinking about who's going to own them. The one, the one issue I do find is people have bought properties without thinking about what happens at the time of disposal. So they might buy something 99% in her name and 1% in his name because she's on a higher marginal tax rate and that would have been probably some thinking of the accountant to maximise the efficiency of the asset while you're holding it. But then you go to sell it and she's got 99% of the tax problem. So I, I often say to people, I don't mind if you have these things. I think they have a viable spot in a diversified portfolio for sure. Buy it for the right reasons. Put it in the right structure. Am I buying it jointly? Am I buying it individually? Am I buying it through a family trust? Mm -hmm. If I really want to do it really expensively, go and buy one through a self-managed super fund. Because if you're buying a property through a self-managed super fund, that says one of two things. You love paying crazy amounts of interest because <laughs> the borrowings on SMSF loans are generally sort of 2% or more higher than a standard loan, or you don't have the ammunition financially to buy it in your own name and you need to use super capital. That's generally what that sort of says to me. Now, again, I'm not against that, but you wanna have some, some real considerations when you're thinking about the ownership of the asset. I think you also then need to think about where you're gonna buy it and the tax implications of that region. So we know that there are different tax considerations if you buy something in the ACT, but people also then need to think about, am I buying resi? Am I buying commercial? Am I buying land? Am I buying a unit? And what are the carrying costs of those particular investment opportunities? Because I'm a big advocate of borrowing more money to buy a more expensive property. And I would rather see people spend more on interest on a freestanding house and consider what the strata costs would have been in a unit and try and buy something as a freestanding entity. Now, that's just my view of strata through the experiences that I've had. Well, people people have the exact opposite. When you when you're paying the bills and strata's just another bill, it's what are you getting for that? It's not it's it, you're not getting a return on that money, are you? You're basically exactly. handing it over to the people that are managing the property. Exactly. And that then sort of segues well into do your research in relation to the quality of the building. Don't believe what an agent says. Go and do your own research. Get the financials, get the books, you know, go to the body corporate, get that information if you're going to buy into a dwelling. Be mindful of buying into a smaller sized complex, okay? And a lot of people think, oh, well, I'll buy, there's only four or five houses here. The problem is the costs are now only split across four or five people as opposed to splitting them across 50 people in a tower. So there are positives and negatives for buying bigger mm. and smaller uh, established um, unit complexes, for example. So understand strata, understand the costs, have a look at the history and see what's happened. And if you can, try and borrow more money that would be the equivalent of what the strata would cost and own your own property. That way then you're the master of your own destiny. Yeah. You can do what you want, you can make amendments. You, you know, you're not, you're not dealing with people that may or may not have the experience to oversee the collective good of all of the owners, which may to be to your own detriment. So go yeah, into it with your eyes open. And obviously with units and apartments and that sort of thing, uh, sometimes you have uh, strata managers that are great, uh, but, sometimes oh, you, but sometimes you don't. Oh, and 100%. you've got no control over that. And the other thing you need to be mindful of as well is buy buy a property in an area where strata is regulated. Yeah. Okay, so Queensland, for example, strata is completely unregulated. It's a bit of a wild west, yeah. Oh, the wild west. <laughs> um, the wildest of wests. Um, 
you know, but then in, in the ACT, we have different rules to, to places like Queensland, and then you want to get a really good experienced strata manager in there because a good manager can add great value to your property through initiatives, maintenance, upkeep, and being engaged with what's happening with your assets. So understand what you're moving into if you do buy into a collective community like that. Also think about what's going to happen with your borrowing and how do I structure it? A lot of people come in and they say, well, I want to pay it down, so I set up the loan, principal and interest, and that's great. And then interest rates rise significantly and they say, oh, well, well my cash flow is really under pressure. I don't want to move to interest only because then I'm not paying it down. But at the end of a conversation about utilising an offset account and structuring it correctly, they can see very quickly that interest only is not a, not a dirty word. No. It is if you don't combine it with an offset account and you can't save any more, then yes, you're not going to pay down the principal. And ultimately, if you're buying an investment property, at some point of its holding life, you want to be able to get income from it. And it could be an income source in retirement in conjunction with pensions, superannuation, Centrelink, or whatever else you have as a cash flow resource when you retire. So structure your loan correctly, get some help, and stay in front of changes everybody should be looking at the rates they're paying at the moment in light of what we've seen in relation to interest rates and you know regardless of what you read there's probably a couple more coming before the end of the year um, and it always baffles me that you read things in the media that we have one month of no rate rise mm. and all of a sudden the property world has been positive or negative oh, well, which yeah but even even the reserve bank board governor clearly said expect more we know there's going to be more interest rate oh, increases 100% yeah, and just it, just it, not this month. We got lucky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just you just kicking the can down the road, yeah. right? It's coming. Um, so, plan when you buy something. Plan to service something now. If you're buying an investment property now, I'd have people doing their numbers at eight or nine percent. Yeah. Now I'm not saying rates are going to go to eight or nine percent, but what I'm saying is, if you look at where rates have come from, yeah. One of the biggest gripes I'm seeing from people that come into my office are. I didn't think it'd go this high. I can't believe how fast it's changed. And they're all very valid comments. But if you're trying to future-proof your cash flow, don't move into something because you got a ribbon at school mm. and you need the biggest place right out of the gates. Buy something you can afford and manage your cash flow by estimating, okay, I'll go into this if I can service an 8.5% loan, principal and interest. If I can, great, then I'll look to try and do it at 6 Yep. So you've got some protection. So if people can think about those sorts of things and go into these investments with their eyes open, yeah. you can you can have some really positive outcomes. Yeah, have a, a little bit of an interest rate buffer there up your sleeve. Mm. Now, of course, when you're buying any property, whether it's an investment property or not, there are a couple of due diligence items you must not forget. Things yes. like making sure you've got all your legal arrangements Correct. In, in place. And the other one is uh, things like building and pest inspections. Yes. Uh, if you if you proceed without having one of those, you might think, you say, oh, I'm saving a few hundred dollars here. Exactly. It could cost you a lot more than that. Look, 100%. I think a couple of golden rules. Go and look at it. One, yeah. don't believe the photos on the internet because again, depending on where that place is listed, there may or may not be laws around manipulating photos and you not seeing something that's behind a building or the state of the building that could then lead to increased costs in relation to strata and body corporate and things like that. So you go and look at it, you get a building in pest, whether it's a unit, a house, a farm, dirt, I don't care what it is. Get your due diligence, get your reports, get a professional to look at it because ultimately if you don't, 
you're just flipping a coin on some very potential expensive capital items that you may or may not have factored into your budget. Um, and then understand what you're going to do in relation to paying it and renting it. And I would always stress, estimate rents lower than you're told. Yeah. And remember to work on net numbers, i.e. after the agent, after the insurance, after the strata, after the this, to work out what your potential return or yield is. Because I find a lot of people talk in gross numbers. I get 600 a week. Well, you don't get 600 a week. It's less this and this and this. You get 480. Oh, okay, well, yeah. Well, think about it like that because that's the net outcome of the investment that you're going to calculate against other opportunities and that's where you need to make sure that there aren't any other hidden surprises because we've seen a lot of people's cash flow come under pressure in the last 12 months. So again, if you do your numbers and do your due diligence, you can have a lot of comfort in the decision that you make and then get the best return possible from the choice that you you decide to undertake. Indeed. Luke Smith from Envision Financial is with me in the studio. Today we're talking about investment properties and what you need to remember before you make that purchase. It's about 10 to 5. Back with more in just a moment. Luke Smith from Envision Financial is with me in the studio. Today we're talking about purchasing an investment property. What are the key tips, Luke, that people should remember when it comes time to hand over their cold, hard cash? Yeah, so as we said before the ad break, don't buy something for a tax break as your first sort of reason or priority. Have an idea of why you're doing it. Is it for income? Is it for growth? Is it for you know, the estate transfer to children? Then think about who's gonna own the asset. Am I buying it personally? Am I buying it in a super fund? Am I buying it in a trust? Am I buying it jointly? So you know why you're buying it for your objectives. Then you know how you're gonna hold it. Then make sure that you structure the loan correctly. Am I doing interest only? Am I going to use principal and interest? Do I have a redraw facility? Do I have an offset account? Get a broker involved and get some professional help because they can add some real value both at the time of purchase and along the journey when it comes to managing cash flow and expenses. Think about the location of what you're going to buy and the relevant state legislations. Also then go and look at the place. Don't mm. just believe the photos. Go in, check it out, and do your due diligence. As we said before the ad break, make sure you've done your pests, your building inspections, and anything else you need to see. If, you, if you're building, buying into a complex, look at the financials. Get hold of those. Check out the numbers. Make sure there's plenty of money in the sinking fund because the last thing you want to do is buy something and then have to throw in ten dollars or $20,000 in the first 12 months that you hadn't budgeted for because the building got hit by lightning or somebody exploded the lift or something silly has gone on so understand what you're buying and, and and the quality of the asset that you're acquiring make sure if you're going to buy a property that you understand the net return or expenses collectively so don't just look at something and go oh it's 500 a week rent and work out your numbers on that back out all of your expenses. There's going to be agent fees, there's going to be body corporate, there's strata, there's this, there's insurance, there's that. All of those things come down to your net number and then work out if it stacks up as a viable opportunity when all of those things have been considered because I find they get overlooked far too often. Consider the rates, consider the land tax, depending on where you're buying it and the benefits of doing so. Also then remember to take good care of it, find a good agent, talk to a number of people, try and negotiate on a rate so that you're not getting fleeced for very little value because a good agent can make 
a big difference to a property by staying engaged and staying on top of it, <coughs> as can a good strata manager in a, in a unit complex where you have multiple dwellings. So get the right people around you. Find good professionals as part of the acquisition process. So we're going to hear from a, a conveyancing solicitor uh, later this month in relation to what they do and how they can add value. So there's, there's a number of people you can get on your team, but go into these things with your eyes open for the right reasons and you can have a wonderful outcome and, and build some wealth over time and have somewhere to put your surplus cash flow to then secure your ongoing revenues when you decide to retire as one of your multiple income streams to fund your lifestyle. Absolutely. So, Luke, at the end of all that, where can listeners get more information? Yeah, so 6260-4749. It's the office number. Hasn't changed. Envisionfinancial.com.au on the internet. That's Envision with an E. We've got the podcast, The Strategy Stacker. Luke Talks Money on iTunes and Spotify. We've got the YouTube channel, Envision Financial Canberra, where we've got the show every week and the key takeouts. On the Tiki Talker, we've got uh, The Strategy Stacker, as my daughter calls it. And uh, it's all in the book, Smart Money Strategy, Your Ultimate Guide to Financial Planning, available in all good bookstores, Amazon and Booktopia as well. So. Sensational. Smart Money Strategy, Your Ultimate Guide to Financial Planning. Well, Luke, thanks very much for popping by today and uh, we'll catch up again next week and uh, we'll talk money matters once again. Go Raiders. Go the Raiders, absolutely. Thanks very much. Luke Smith from Envision Financial, back with us again at the same time next Friday afternoon.